Hey listeners, this is Brian. Before we get started, I wanted to apologize for the audio for this episode. Uh, yours truly, stupidly, did not look carefully enough at the recording as it was going on, and I didn't realize that I was recording off of my internal microphone on the stupid laptop and not the actual microphone I should have been using. So, rather than throw the entire episode away because it sounds like crap, uh, we figured we'd at least get it out there. Uh, the people that we back deserved a little bit of exposure that we get them uh, and, and didn't deserve to have it all thrown away. So the episode will go out as usual, but I just sound awful. And you have my apologies for that. I will be more careful in the future. And uh, seriously, sorry, guys. Anyway, back to the show. <laughs> that, was, that was so weak. <laughs> That was such an anemic clap. I can't. I'm not, I'm not picking on you, though. Okay. I'm not. I can see you, Brian. You're not nude. <laughs> no, I was. I, I had... It was like 11.57... And we walked in, and I was like, I I have to shower before I sit in front of Chris. Because I was, you know, I was all grungy and stinky. I'd gone to Umstead, so I had mud on me. And so I was like, I got like three minutes to rinse off and be unstinky. That's the way. I, I didn't even do that. I just changed clothes, and here I am. You can see the stink oh lines goodness. coming off of me. I, they float up. Is that the green stuff? Thankfully, they don't come through the microphone. No. Bless, bless the internet for not working that well yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is this the first? It is. This is the first time we've recorded mid-afternoon. It is. It's weird. Or, There's or sunlight. Midday. Look, yeah, midday. Streaming in. It's a rainy day. Is it raining there? Yeah. It's raining all the way over there. All the way the over here. Of, <laughs> of downtown Raleigh. Uh, yeah. I feel, you know what? You know what I think our problem is? Neither of us had lunch. I am so famished. I think if we had had lunch, we would have that post-lunch energy boost. I think so. But since we both exercised and then didn't eat, we're having the post-exercise, no-eating energy lull, and the episode will suffer. We, we, we chose poorly. At least you kind of munched on some of those pirate's booty. I, I did. I ate pirate's booty. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm so hangry. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Shall we get into it then so we can go eat? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. Okay. I think we're going to talk about food, too. Uh, Okay. It's the food episode. Who knew? Mm. Go. Ready? Hello, and welcome to Backers, a fortnightly podcast where we explore the most compelling campaigns on Kickstarter and each pick a campaign to back. We are your hosts, Chris Rumpf and Brian Dupuy. And this week, we're channeling our inner Steve Perry, and we're going to adopt the Perryism. Be good to yourself.
getting close to an overload. Huh? Sing it, buddy. Oh. Up against the nowhere situation. I want to go get my guitar now. It's so impossible to try and synchronize over over Skype trying to sing something. It's impossible. Aren't there... Are we dating ourselves like severely by... By knowing Journey? Yeah, does anybody... It's not relevant. Or is Journey always relevant? (laughs) I don't know. I'm biased. I don't want to say that it's not because I really, uh, you know, I love me some journey. I think it was two weeks ago when we settled on the topic that I admit that when I run sometimes, I just put journey on and it feels like I'm in a montage from the eighties. <laughs> I just got that pump up music and I'm just being out to yourself. Mm. Steve Perry coming through. I don't have a journey in my, in my running playlist. Mm. I even I found out should. there's a be good to yourself Wikipedia page. What does that even mean? <laughs> well, I, I pulled it up. I, I was curious where be good to yourself came from. And the title, this is from Wikipedia. The title owes itself to a sort of mantra of Steve Perry's at the time, which mm. keyboardist Jonathan Kane jotted down in his notes during a writing session for the album calling it a Perryism in the liner notes to the 1992 box set time. Mm. And then he explained that with his own domestic situation and disarray and his mother slowly dying, Perry needed a life-affirming message. And so I guess this Perryism came to being sprung to life. Be good to yourself. Thanks, Steve. Check Not that out, man. Hug. I can't give him a hug, though. Mm-mm. I could give the... What is he, Korean? Taiwan? What? Taiwanese? Oh, the new guy? Yeah, the new guy. Uh, I think he's Filipino. Filipino? Yeah. Okay. I can give him a hug. There's a great documentary on that. Have you seen it? On him? Yeah. His his, his entry into the band? Journey's search for the next singer, the front man for the band, and his, his being tapped as that person. No. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Now I have something to do this afternoon. Yeah, I'll see if I can find that and put a link in there to the show notes. Yes, please. Let's see. Find journey doc. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I'm running out of self control because I'm hungry. (laughs) Getting close to an overload. (laughs) Up against a no end situation. Yeah. You know what you should do? Sing Jerry. Hang up your boxing gloves. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready for a long long vacation. Wow. Okay. All right. Are we ready to get into the random crowdfunding zone? Yeah. Let's do it. You want to start? No, you have two, so why don't you start? Okay. Um, let's do this uh, deal about the Kickstarter badges. Yeah. Sure, we'll start there. So, I, so there's this article about Kickstarter debuting new badges so that backers know how far along a project is. And I freely admit just total ignorance about the Kickstarter hardware studio program that this bit of news is, I guess, linked to or tied to. But I just thought the news was interesting to share anyway. This centers around, I guess, Kickstarter being able to provide a way to raise the visibility 
of the status on certain hardware projects so that people that are coming on, the backers, have a better idea where that project is along the development continuum. Sure. And let's see, there are four different levels of badges in order of least prepared to most from the article. The first is engaged. This is just like the backers have been accepted to connection and have a working proof of concept of prototype. Now, this connection thing, too, this is the ignorance part that I was going to mention, that there's this hardware studio program that was launched a year ago by Kickstarter that has, well, let's just dive into this for a second, two areas of focus in the hardware studio. The first is this education focus, and the second is this connection focus. I guess connection with a big C, something they kind of had tried to brand. So on the first part of this, the education avenue, this provides just learning resources, learning resources packaged up as this concept of a hardware studio toolkit. And this other piece, the connection focus, is a more con- competitive side that involves applications and ultimately acceptance into the program. And once you get awarded entry into the connection program, it gives these creators extra resources like structured planning tools and direct access to engineers so that they can get mentorship on their projects. Interesting. I think there's just, you know, when you start a hardware project, there is, I think it's really daunting, right? You have this idea, but how do you bring an idea from a concept all the way through to a tangible good, especially when it's going to involve hardware? I think that's a really difficult like road to look down. So it's neat that Kickstarter started these programs to try and help foster an avenue of, you know, to try and help these creators realize their goals. Yep. Yeah. I find it interesting that even at the very lowest level, which is this engaged level, you're required to have a working proof of concept. It can't just be a pie in the sky idea, you know, Oh, I'm going to make cold fusion in my refrigerator no, you have to have a working proof of concept to even get the lowest level of, I don't want to call it accreditation, but at least um, exposure from them at that engaged level. And then all the way up to the final one, which is the product is ready for manufacturing and delivery risks are low and they're only in Kickstarter to get funding to manufacture the product, you know, and and the levels in between. So, yeah, it's a... I think it would give me as a backer more confidence in a product to know where it is along that development path. And this provides a uniform way of defining those lay, uh, those checkpoints, right? right? So pretty cool. Yeah. So the levels are quickly engaged, which we mentioned is that working proof of concept ready level one. The project has a mature prototype that could become a manufactured product. Uh, ready level two, the product will be able to be manufactured at its expected volume and production plans are in place. And then ready level three, the product is fully ready for manufacturing. Delivery risks are low. I wish that they had this sort of accreditation or mm-hmm. <laughs> oversight mm-hmm. when I was doing that fermentation lid, Brian. Oh, when, yeah. Well, not the, you know, that project I backed. I know. Yeah, so sad, man. So sad. But again, but, they would have at least been at the engaged level by their definitions, if not more, because uh, they had a working prototype. It's true. It's true. So that's the thing, right? Even 
even if they get these badges, it's no guarantee that they're that you're going to get the product at the end of the day. I guess. Yeah. So it's, but it is supposed to be. Uh, it, assuming that they, that's the thing, right? They're doing some vetting that is normally a burden put on the backers. They're doing some of that preliminary vetting in order to even allow them into this program and get these badges. So you would, you would think that maybe like your case with the fermentation lid, maybe they wouldn't have gotten into the program (laughs) if they, or if they had gotten in the program, they would have gotten some of the resources they needed to actually deliver it instead of being a a failed one, which it gives every appearance of being. So it's interesting too, because I don't know how they decide the awarding of these badges is that mm. oversight by somebody at Kickstarter or do the project creators themselves? It seems weird that you would just be able to proclaim whatever sure. level you were at, but I didn't really go too far down the rabbit hole and see, like I said, what kind of oversight they give to mm-hmm. how they award these badges. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's an interesting segue here into the thing you found this week, too, because Ready Level 3, which is supposed to be the most mature, that the product is ready for manufacturing, but the Kickstarter funding is needed to fulfill that manufacturing, right? And I think a lot of times, too, you may have that product ready to go in the pipelines, but if the creators have not done their diligence and don't have a good idea of what their manufacturing costs are going to be, you could easily see a situation where they get funding and maybe things spiral out of control and they still can't bring the project to life. Goodness gracious, Chris, you, you segue so well. <laughs> yeah. That brings us right into uh, my thing that I found for the random crowdfunding zone, which is uh, a switch battery case. That was a darling of Indiegogo uh, for the switch charge that has since turned into what they, well, the clickbaity title is that it has become a crowdfunding nightmare. <laughs> um, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. I think that's a little exaggerated, but it does talk about this product that, that the difficulties that people have both delivering and for whenever you back something and it expect it and it doesn't go to according to plan. So the switch charge case is a case for the Nintendo Switch that contains an extra battery that's meant to prolong the battery life of the Nintendo Switch. It was very popular. Uh, it had raised $400,000 in funding, so it was easily backed. And they said that they would have, with that money, they would be able to deliver in August of 2017. And everything was looking great because they had working prototype. They were ready to go. They had a prototype that was ready to manufacture. So, you know, according to the the thing that we just listened to, that would put them at the level three uh, category. Um, but after the campaign ended, suddenly things started going a little off script. Uh, they, they, they said that they had looked at some things and found a couple of things that they wanted to revisit, uh, which occasioned some redesign. They were communicating well, but they kept coming back saying, well, we have to delay it because of this or that, and they just kept piling up. As it turns out, in addition to all of the actual product problems that they had, the 
company also underestimated how difficult it would be to get these things into people's hands yeah. because it was a lithium battery. And they discovered, and they I guess they hadn't done their diligence beforehand, that you really can't ship those in an airplane. <laughs> they have to go by land or sea. Mm. And so suddenly their logistics just went out the window. And it really sounds like just a comedy of errors that, that kind of built up on these people. So even as of today, there are still people that haven't gotten their product, the backers, that was supposed to be delivered August of last year. So you're talking about almost a year of delay. There are people that have gotten them, and they're talking to th- – this company is in discussions with some big box retailers about carrying them in stores. So it's not like the product has failed utterly, but I think in terms of delivering to the original backers – they certainly ran into their share of problems. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, it sounds like they've got product and is working. You've got it in people's hands. And I think the people that have it have seemed to have been satisfied. Mm-hmm. They just have a serious cash flow problem at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, whenever those expenses start piling up and you start burning through that money more and more, it almost <laughs> it almost turns into like a... Uh, 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 a pyramid type of thing, right? Yeah. Where it's like, well, where do we get the next round of money in order to fulfill the responsibilities and requirements of the stuff that we had previously so that we can move <laughs> on? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, are you always swimming up, swim, upstream? Mm-hmm. Stuff? Yeah. What else you got? Uh, the other thing I found was this article on Core 77. Are you familiar with Core 77? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> No, but I know that you are. While you're snickering, I just... So they're a a design-focused website, and I frequent it. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of of the articles they had was a Kickstarter tie-in, so I just thought I would would share this on the show. So here's the thing. You can imagine that Core 77 gives focus to a number of design projects that have roots on Kickstarter. But here, they dialed in on this idea that Kickstarter is being used in some design schools around the world in this way where they can educate on entrepreneurship. And I just liked this idea that there are classrooms in different schools that are using Kickstarter as this vehicle to to teach in a way that moves outside of the ivory towers of university mm. and into the real world, you know? Yeah. Um, it reminded me that probably one of the best learning experiences I had in high school was and I don't know if they had this in Florida where you grew up, but in South Carolina, they had this junior achievement program. And I don't remember even what class it was. It might've been loosely tied to to economics or something like that. But we did this junior achievement program where they broke the class up into different teams. And then we each had to brainstorm on an idea and then figure out how to basically build a little business around that idea. Even so far as we got, we opened bank accounts and like in our case, we had developed this idea of remember hard rock cafe. Those t-shirts were so popular. We did. um, Our mascot was the red Fox. So we did Fox rock cafe (laughs) t-shirts, but it was neat. Like I said, we opened bank accounts and we actually sold shares of stock and we conceived of this product and engaged with a local t-shirt manufacturer and a graphic designer and got to see the whole thing soup to nuts. So it was a really, like I said, a really cool idea on how to run a business or how to build a business and entrepreneurship. And I just like this idea that now there are schools that can use Kickstarter as this platform too, to help, you know, 
Oh yeah. Help kind of students. And this is at university. So much better, better product design ideas than we ever had in high school, <laughs> but you know, work on concepts and then figure out how do you market them? How do you engage with your backers? How do you develop budgets and you know, how do you tell a story about your product and get it to market? So right. just neat article. And then there are the three people or three educators from the different schools that they have kind of a Q&A with in this article. So, yeah, that'll be in the show notes, too. So people can can peruse that. But, yeah, like I said, I just think it's neat, this idea that you can use Kickstarter uh, in education as well. Sure. And I, as we mentioned before the show... We were talking. I find it interesting that one of the ones they featured had a student that participated in this program that got a job. Excuse me for working for Google, mm. but decided to resign and focus on bringing his Kickstarter or his graduation project to Kickstarter instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, screw you, man. I'm not going to be stuck in the corporate world. I'm going to go out on my own and do my own thing. Yeah, that was that XOXX composer. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I don't know what the heck it is, it, but it looks interesting. It looks rad. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, that's the news. That's the news for this fortnight. Moving on to the mentionable zone. Chris, you have more than I do again. Would you like to start us off? Yeah, do you want to start with my... Um kind of WTF projects or yeah, should sure, I go with the not? one that I almost backed? <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Okay. I found just, you know, of course, when I, we were looking at be good to yourself, I kind of went to the tabletop category first. As one does. And I found this project, Cowboy Riding a Jackalope, <laughs> Tabletop Gaming <laughs> Manager. And this project is by Jackalope. It is a cowboy... It's a 28 millimeter scale PVC tabletop gaming miniature of just what it says, a giant jackalope with a cowboy riding atop it. And it says perfect scale for RPGs, board games, and war game hobby. Under what scenario would you deploy this, Brian? Where would you use this? (laughs) I don't know, but I kind of want to play in a scenario that involves jackalopes of this size. (laughs) Rideable jackalopes. I like that it's not tied to any specific like nope. game concept or anything, somebody just had this idea that, you know what, there needs to be a 28 millimeter scale miniature of a, of a giant jackalope. Example. You can also, yeah. if the cowboy is not to your liking, you can get the jackalope separate and then you can oh, mount okay. whatever you like on top of the jackalope. So I could put Skeletor on top of the jackalope. If you so needed it. <laughs> I like how it's inspired by vintage postcards from the 1950s. <laughs> and they show... A ca- is this a real a postcard? I assume it is. Were there rideable jackalopes in the 50s? Did they just go extinct? <laughs> <laughs> it must have been in Texas. Yeah. They died out with the buffalo? Oh, I don't know. This project's Louisville, Kentucky. Maybe this is deep in the hills of Kentucky somewhere. Yeah. A jackalope. I mean... Vintage postcards. I like it. It's not intended for children. Is it not? No. It's not intended oh. for children. Oh. It's a serious piece of gaming apparatus. Okay. It's not a toy. I didn't know that. I will no longer smile. So. Uh, oh, I closed the window too quick. Oh, no. I wanted to see when that was uh, wrapping up. Oh, it's five days to go. Five days. This thing closes yeah. on Thursday, May 24th. 
currently has 86 backers. It is is funded $3,887. So if you are listening to this, if you are hearing it before May 24th, and you go to your web browser, you can go to Kickstarter, you can even go to our show notes, follow this link, and get yourself a cowboy riding a jackalope. You know what's interesting? This is not their first Kickstarter project. Oh, no? Did we cover them before? Because they have the War in Christmas <gasps> what? minis. Didn't you cover those before? I thought you... Uh, it wasn't me. I'm not a miniature guy. It must. It might have been. I'll be doggone. I, I mean, I, I don't remember if we talked about it on the show. I think I remember putting it in show notes at one point. Yeah. Oh, Huh. So my uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you do one. Yeah, my first mentionable. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go with the one that uh, I almost backed. I came. I, I I was gonna click, and then I backed the one that I did for reasons that will become clear whenever I talk about it. But this one is I, I, whenever I thought about be good to yourself. So yeah, I guess we should talk a little bit about the theme. The theme: be good to yourself. Steve Perryism, just something that that we friggin' wanted. That was, you know, something that 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 struck the right chord in us for any reason. That was just like make you feel good, give you something you need. You know, not not anything difficult. And we honestly, I thought that this would be one of the easiest themes that we dealt with, and yet it turned out to have some particular challenges. Mm-hmm. At least for. For one of us, at least. But, uh, so, this one is, uh, after the comics category last season, I started reading more graphic novels. Uh, my friend Chris here has gifted me a, a graphic novel, and I've got some buddies at work that have allowed me to borrow them, and I've been reading some, and I've really enjoyed them. And so, honestly, whenever I started looking and the Be Good to Yourself theme, I really was thinking, I'm going to get myself another graphic novel because I really enjoyed it. And I still haven't got my scurry yet, but he's still working on it. So I found this one, and this one is The Patrons Part 1. The tagline is a dark sci-fi series about a soldier who must choose either loyalty or innocent lives, all while being hunted by a deadly assassin. A little... A little... uh, Wrote, trite, kind of common. But, you know me, I'm a big sucker for really cool art styles. Mm. And I felt like whenever I was looking through the campaign, I really dug the art styles. It, it was really well done. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I didn't, but I was going to. Uh, but that was, that was the thing. It was just a, a really neat, well-drawn piece of work. So I agree. I, I don't saw, have much to much more to say about it, but I saw it too. I like that kind of cyberpunk. Oh yeah. Um, Blade runner ish, like gritty mm-hmm. urban future vibe that it's got going. Yep. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. The, the primary reason I didn't go for it and this will sound a little chintzy. Maybe it's not a long work. Mm. It's a 23 page graphic novel, which it just didn't strike me as... Yeah, that really feels more like just a deep. a comic issue. Yeah. Or, or maybe something like small or even like a trade. Yeah. So I I just... I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So, 
Yep. But I still dig it. I think it's cool looking. But that first pledge level is five dollars. Yeah. So that gets you a digital copy. Yeah. I wanted hard cover. Yeah. Well, I wanted physical. Yeah. I, I want I wanted paper in my hands. <laughs> but so that that was the the closest thing that I came to that. What you got? Next? All right, I got two more. One real quick, we'll touch on Orc Stabber. Orc Stabber. Did you get a chance to see the <laughs> I video? I didn't know what this? to make of this. I didn't. I really didn't. So Orc Stabber is this. I want to say it's a it's a game. It's a one page mm-hmm. RPG for Orc Stabbers, created by Liam Gomazar. This thing only had a goal of 20 bucks and yep. almost $2,000 have been pledged to now. So this thing is funded <laughs> with 282 backers. The pledge levels, there are two of them. You pledge $2 and you get half of the game. Or $10, you're a spindy orc. And you get your name on the back of Orc Stabber. So I guess you get a full copy plus your name as a, as a patron for the mm-hmm. project. It's just... It was really hilarious. I didn't know what to oh, make of it when Lindsay. I first saw it. Then I was like, this thing is backed. And then I watched the video, and it's just this guy playing the character of an orc to the camera in like this really lo-fi way. And it's hilarious. <laughs> I almost wanted to throw $2 in just for the hilarity of the project. Mm-hmm. And I, I still might. So, yeah, it's... It's just this hilarious RPG, like a one-page RPG of orcs stabbing orcs. <laughs> I like the health system. If you mess up, you get squished. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so, okay. It is a funny camp- er, campaign. It tickled my funny bone. Yeah, it's real hilarious. It ends on wow. May 31st. So, uh, there's still time to get in on this. If you've got $2 burning a hole in your pocket and you want a half copy of an orc stabber game. This is for you. <laughs> uh, that's good. So, so my second one, I didn't, I didn't come close to the backing this. And I, and this is mostly just mentionable because I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Given that I have a drone. Uh, this is a drone, Chris. Yeah, It's a drone. It is the Nemo ultra high definition 4k underwater drone okay it, it is what it says it is it's an above ground drone except it's an underwater drone and it it is maneuverable it will go down to supposedly a hundred meters while taking 4k photo and video it's stable it has you know an app like you would expect of a drone that that flies above water but it allows you to fly it underwater there's not a whole lot for me to say about it, but... It's an underwater drone. It's an underwater drone. I know why you didn't back it. Okay. I mean, I can I can guess. Yeah, let, let, lay it on me. Uh, because it comes in yellow? That's not it. Oh. Was it the price? It might have been the price. <laughs> that was part of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so... Uh, if, if, if you got in real early, you could have gotten it for $799. And that will give you a hundred foot tether and the drone and all of that good stuff. But that reward is not available. Now it's these $9.99 for the same thing, which is fine. But so yeah, that, yeah, I was going to say in fairness to a high quality drone, 
you know, yeah. DJI drones get up oh, yeah. north of that. So sure. You know what? I bet it does exactly what it says it does. I, I'm, I think they probably have a working thing. Uh, so two things. Number one, I don't want to spend a thousand dollars on an underwater drone because honestly, number two, how often <laughs> am I somewhere that I can use an underwater drone? What do, right? what do you think underwater of Lake Jordan looks like? I honestly don't want to see it. <laughs> I really don't. It'll be just tree stumps and old road beds and maybe some you know, tires, maybe a, an old Edson. Uh. I don't know, but not pretty. And that's the other thing, right? It, it, you pretty much need really clear water, which Jordan is not. Yeah. So I, 4K of murky water, mm, it's still murky water. So eh, I just don't have a big use for it. But I thought it was an interesting one. Yep. But it's cool. Just so a, that's a little it spendy. for me in the mentionable zone. Okay. What's your last one? The last one I had is the one I almost backed. Did you really? Vite Ramen, the nutritionally complete instant ramen. Okay. Yeah, I just, you could be good to yourself by having nutritionally complete ramen. I love me some noodles, whether it's yeah. ramen or pho. I mean, I just, mm. I'm with you on that. I think I live in the wrong part of the world, man. I love me some noodles. We both should have been Asian. Man. Do you want to start over? <laughs> Did you get that chance? I don't know. <laughs> we can try. We could move. Yeah, we could. Um, but yeah, so, Tell me more. so Vite Ramen is these two twins. I think they're twin brothers. And yep. one is a nutritionist. One is, oh my goodness, I can't remember. I watched the video like three times because I thought the video was so well done. Mm. Uh, uh, nutritionist, maybe? The other guy is a chef. Is that right? They, okay. they combined forces and came up with Vite Ramen. And it kind of, I guess it is what it says in the tin. They reformulated their own ramen to be a high-quality product that's got 27 grams of protein in it with a quarter of your daily vitamins and minerals with no like deep frying or weird preservatives or tons of salt caked into the product. They've got three different flavors that are coming out of the gate with a vegan mushroom shio, a soy sauce chicken and a garlic pork flavor. And that's really what it is. It's, it's ramen. Um, they're going to be looking at delivery dates in August, so they're already spooling up capacity for this thing. The campaign has closed, but they raised $249,000 off of wow. just a $10,000 goal. So wow. there's a lot of demand for this to the tune of 4,295 backers. I mean, this thing was blowing up and looked pretty cool. The reason I didn't back it was I started looking at some of the nutritional content and saw that in a package of this is 79 carbs. 79 grams? 79 grams of, yeah, carbs. 79 grams of carbohydrates? That's, yes. And I wow. checked that both in the little package, you know, screenshot that they had within the campaign and then with their website and tried to validate that as well. The nutritionist says that, yeah, that's offset by there being a... a a good dose of fiber that's also in there. And I'm no nutritionist, but still about 80 <laughs> grams of carbs in a serving seemed high. I mean, that seems like two bowls of pasta. 
right? Yeah. I mean, I think a bowl of spaghetti comes in well under that. So yeah. I just was... That gave you pause. Yeah, it was something that I wouldn't mind trying, but I didn't know if I wanted to sign up for whatever, 12 or 24 packages of the stuff on a yeah. on a whim. If it was something I saw at my local grocer, I would be sure to pick one up and give it a shot. I'm, I'm almost positive. But um, anyways, yeah, congrats to to the to these guys for a really successful project and uh i would love to see this on the shelves at some point and give it a shot mm-hmm. yeah that's very interesting because there's only five grams of dietary fiber so it's not like it offsets at a ton <laughs> yeah i kept thinking like is that, right? is that a, not is out that of 78 but yeah it just seemed seemed high interesting i wonder if they commented on it in any of the comments or updates i, I looked because and couldn't I find anything you're the only one that noticed that yeah, in the um, in the comments themselves, I I grepped through the whole whole list and didn't see any mention of it. So I don't know. Ignore, yeah, ignore the man behind the curtain. Ignore the carbs behind the the protein. <laughs> oh my, ah, that is interesting though. Maybe there are two servings in there. It's meant to be shared with a friend. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started on servings, Chris. Uh-huh. Just like my bottles of coconut water at work. There are two, two, two <laughs> servings in there. Don't drink the whole bottle. Share some with a friend or save some for later. That's just wrong. I'm sorry. A package should be a serving. Yeah. You give you hand me a self-contained package that doesn't have... Like, I get it if it's got, if it's got uh, separate sealable areas of the package, maybe. I could see that being multiple servings, but you hand me a bottle, a single bottle of something and say, okay, now that's, I mean, it's one thing if it's a, a two liter, I'm not going to assume that's what was, what was the one we always saw that was it Reese's? It was Reese's, Reese's cups. cups. There are two servings there. That, that's yeah. I there's couldn't two remember. Servings. Yeah. Two servings. Unless you get the single, unless you get the single Reese's cup, right? And it's separate package. Cause then that is a serving. Right. Yeah. Or is it no? So it's, we, no, it's it's in a single package. There are two cups, but it's one serving, and then the solo cup is one serving. Is that the way it was? But the maybe it but was. the four pack yeah. is two servings. I don't remember. Yes, yeah, it's, it's baffling. I think that's what it is. But sometimes, uh, well, it, uh, however, it ended up we used it to prove a whole lot of math wrong. Yeah, that's true. Because they they opened up new areas in, in mathematics with their. With their serving definitions. It's like quantum math. Yeah. Uh, All right. All right. Let's move on to the Bat Zone in our delightful theme. And I'll start us off. Okay. Since, you know, you've been, you've been, uh, we've been leaning on you a bit much because of all the fine things that you found. So, be good to myself. Uh, I've been looking eh, over the past few episodes, every once in a while, something like this would come up and, and I would almost do it. You, 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 you remember a few times, right? That, that I've looked at things like this and haven't been able to pull the trigger. This is what kicks finally, for. Yes. I finally was able to be good to myself and found something that I needed and wanted and met my requirements. This is redefined the perfected wallet series. I got me a wallet, Chris. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the circle is complete. So 
you know what I like? You, you know what I like most about it? Well, maybe not most, but you know what I like about it? It's not made of paper. Uh, yes, I noticed this. I, I don't want a wallet made out of paper, Chris, and this one is not made out of paper. It's also German. Uh, you know the Germans make good stuff. That's right. Uh, actually, this was uh, created by uh, Fox, F-O-C-X, um, which is trademarked, uh, so don't try to use it. Uh, this is their second Kickstarter campaign for wallets. They actually had a, a wallet previously that was that was pretty successful. I don't know that it was as successful as this campaign is turning out, but I think they created that one, learned some lessons, and came out with this one, with his, which have some refinements to it. The things that I liked about this, they offered you three different styles of wallet. They weren't trying to make one that met everyone's needs. They produced a series of wallets where you could choose the one that met your needs best. And I'm going to read out the three different kinds that they provide. And then, Chris, your homework is to figure out which one I pick. <laughs> okay. You're not, so, you're not going to share that with the listeners? I am, but you have to Oh, we're going to do it immediately. Yeah, yeah. You, I'm going to read them out. You tell me which one I picked, and I get to... You'll probably get it right. So, uh, first is the R01, the minimalist, which is, by their definition, a fast, clever, and minimal companion. Uh, one thing that I like about it, it's... Uh, <laughs> and they, they, they do this uh, in their pitch. It's, it's... The shape of it is in the golden ratio. You know me. I like making... <laughs> golden ratio shapes in my head so this pleased me right off the bat is this the golden ratio apparently this is the golden this ratio. is this is where you find patterns yes so i'm just going to be looking at it all day and being very satisfied so the minimal so happy for you i know the minimalist has a so these are all made with uh, a leather outer coating uh, or a leather outer part of the the wallet and then it's just the features that they have. This one has a double pull tab so that you can lift it out and it has card holders that are easily accessible through these double pull tabs, uh, which I, I thought was cool. It's got easy access to your cards through that way. It also has RFID blocking, which you know in this day and age is useful. And it also features an optional tracker so that you can track your wallet. And if you look at it, this, the technology is not like, <laughs> it's not like if you leave it in Bali, you can track it from here. It's within a certain reasonable range, like a, like a few hundred feet or something like that. So that, that is the minimalist. Those are the features of the minimalist. The accountant takes those same features and adds a coin purse to it. Not really a purse, but there is a... It's actually pretty nifty the way they do it. It, it has a, a, an opening that you use and, and insert your coins into and then reclose and the coins stay inside it. So all of the same features, but adds a coin holding mechanism to it. And then... Number three is the purest, which is a little smaller than a minimalist, which is kind of surprising. Um, it is a another pull tab, but it closes in a slightly different way than the minimalist. Uh, and really, you have to you have to watch the 
the video to see how they all kind of fold and open and what all the compartments are. The other one that this one has is uh, a place for extra cash. And so it's got a little extra area inside for cash that the other ones don't have. So, of those three, Christopher, which one do you think I put? I am torn between putting my uh, my weight behind the R01 Minimalist or the R03 Purist. I mm. think I'm going to say that you went with the Minimalist. You know me so well. <sighs> know me so well, Chris. I felt like you would have mm. gone with one of the smaller ones. We've talked before mm-hmm. about you'd have no need of a coin purse because you just you throw know what all I your do change down the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that little flap on the purist looked maybe a little bit fiddly for you. Mm-hmm. Is kind of what I was I was feeling. Yeah. So I, I that's how I selected the minimalist. You got me, buddy. I like the look of it. Almost, almost for exactly this, the, the reasons that you said, too. <laughs> so I'm very impressed. You, you, I don't know whether that's good or bad, but I, I, I feel good that you know me so well. Mm. So, yeah, this one closed. There's plenty of time if you want to get in on this one. Uh, this one closes in 27 days on Friday, June 15th. They are definitely going to get funded. They had a $5,800 goal. They are currently sitting at $72,000 for almost 1,500 backers. So pretty wildly successful. Yep. Yeah, they crushed, crushed it. A wallet. So they're looking for like a July delivery. And I've already gotten not the survey because it, it hasn't closed yet, but they have sent out a pre-survey to kind of get a feel for what you will want. Like in terms of the color, they do offer color of both the leather and the band. It's got this really cool little band that keeps everything together, and they're offering different colors, and they're trying to get a feel for whenever they go to ramp up manufacturing, what kind of materials are they going to need more of and less of in order to plan their logistics out. So they have already asked for that information. So I feel very confident that I'm going to get this. I did not get the tracker. I didn't get any extras. I just got me a wallet. Oh, I didn't so, realize the tracker was an add-on. It is an add-on, oh. yep. And I don't need to... I mean, I've, yeah. Knock on wood, I've never lost my wallet. <laughs> I know exactly where I keep it. <laughs> I know where I put it whenever I get home. So... Yep. Oh, that's cool. That's what That's what I bet. That's a good-looking wallet. Be good to myself. <laughs> Because my yeah, my wallet's getting kind of worn. I am due. Yeah, I have wallet lust too, but I'm sticking mm. with mine for the moment. Okay. You can glom on with mine. Uh, I guess I can. still twenty seven yeah, days I left. Plenty of time. I, could, yeah. I would maybe go for that accountant. Would you really? I kind of like being able to have a coin purse, coin purse, coin <laughs> pouch, coin coin holder. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. Chris. How were you good to yourself? I was time? good to myself. I think I was also mm. good to some people around me, potentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sing it. Yeah. So, let's see. For this episode, we were mining Kickstarter with this self-indulgent periism focus, be good to yourself. Mm-hmm. And there were more fountain pen projects out there to be had, Brian. 
Yes, there were. There were pin projects out there. There were not fountain pens. There were fidget pens. There were rollerball pens. There were ballpoint pens. And I did not go that route at all. Instead, I found something that ties neatly into this idea that is starting to sprout, that is uh, gaining ground, that is starting to germinate Uh in the Uh midst of you and me and a couple of other friends. Uh And this idea is that we're going to go full-blown nerd and do some tabletop role-playing. This is exciting, man. It's going to happen. I mean, it's coming together. So I guess in the service of like trying to propel this idea forward, I backed Mm -hmm. the Book of Dark Secrets, a D&D 5th edition and Pathfinder adventure campaign Mm. by Matthew A. Bogdan. So the campaign is for a two two adventure anthology books that are compatible with both the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition and Pathfinder role-playing systems. Mm. And... The pledge rewards, they've got a number of different configurations of rewards that package these two different books in different ways. Pretty much everything uh, that you can think of, like in combination, of different combinations ranging across PDFs, uh, softcover, and hardcover books. So you could get just right. one of the books, both of the books, in digital distribution or softcover and hardcover. And I think the disappointing thing for our listeners might be that this campaign is already closed. It closed last night. And so I got the, hey, we had a successful run, you know, emails this morning, like, stay on the lookout for your pledge managers and all this stuff. And I feel bad when this happens because I like to be able to talk about it and then give our listeners a little bit of time to to glom on. And both, you know, like we're giving the creator is a little bit of a boost occasionally too, I think like to get their project out in front of more people. So I feel bad when this happens. Um, So, but the specifics, I guess we can dig into those since it is closed. There were 198 backers that backed Mm -hmm. to the tune of $8,480 to bring this project to life. And the PDF copies of the book are expected around an October timeframe. And then I guess everything's expected around October that might be a little ambitious with trying to get the books together as well, but you know, yeah, um, that's kind of what it is. So let me see what else. So the two books, I guess we could talk about those. The two books are, um, the, the lost tomes volume one, which is this 16 adventure collection based on this secret society of characters known as the lost tome society. Mm-hmm. And the neat thing is, like, so they've got these 16 adventures laid out, and each adventure is based around one of these members of the Lost Tome Society, their, their special skill set. So the idea is that you've got these NPCs uh, that, that, you know, are tailor-made, like tailor-made adventures to whatever, like, particular attributes that that character has. So I think that's neat yeah. that you're going to have these different, Ideas, and I thought that maybe there would be some ideas at play there too. Like, if one of these NPCs had a certain skill set that maybe overlapped with a PC in your campaign, you might not even need the NPC, right? Maybe it was a, mm. a an adventure that you could maybe manipulate a little bit and tailor directly to your own campaign um, without the involvement of an NPC. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And the second book was the Book of Dark Secrets, Volume One. 
and they call it volume one because based on how this campaign goes, maybe there would be a future volumes, two, three, et cetera. And I guess based on the success, that may may come to light. But this is a 20-plus, so they were targeting 20 to 26 short fill-in adventures that would be, you know, between 5 and 10 pages each, I think. So the idea between a fill-in adventure is, like, this is a great idea for when you're running a campaign and you're a game master or a dungeon master, and maybe your session comes to an end a little bit early. There's still time in the night. Or maybe you're between stories and your like major plot threads in your campaign and you need a you know a fill-in. Or maybe your campaign is just getting a little stale and you need like a, a boost of fresh energy that you can reach for different materials like this and pull in like a new adventure or a side quest that's just ready to go. Yeah. So that's what I was excited about. So it's always great to have material like this in your your repertoire or your arsenal as a as a game master to be able to pull from. So you did it great. for us. I did it. I'm being good to us. And there was a That's couple a couple sweet. other things I really liked about how Matthew ran this campaign. So first of all, he was super communicative with his backers. Mm-hmm. If you look at the updates, there were 17 yeah. updates on the Kickstarter project page, and I think that is the most important quality of running a campaign, right? Like engage with your backers and keep them up to date. Even if things are going off the rails, like your backers want to know. I'm just so surprised, like looking back over the last year that we've been doing this and how many campaigns we've been engaged with now, how many projects we've seen, how poorly, yeah, how poorly so many of them are at communicating with their backers. Have you found that too? Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. I mean, it, there's very few of them that, uh, several of them did it really, really well. Most of them, were radio silent and, and, and delivered it still. Yeah. But, so I, I have no complaints there, but yeah, some of them like, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, the IQ bars were pretty, pretty present mm-hmm. quite often, kind of gone silent more recently, but they posted two or three updates as they were redoing their, their formulations and their packaging and stuff like that. So Yeah. They have been a little silent recently. I wonder. Yeah. So again, like I wonder kind of where they are at the moment because mm-hmm. I would I'd like to be clued in and know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think that so far he's done a really good job, like keeping his his backer community up to date. The second thing I liked was he showed samples of his work. So he published a link to some excerpts of the work in progress, but also a free short adventure. And I thought that was great because he's giving you a little bit of a taste of what his writing style is like and. You know, the fact that he has, like, created adventures before. You would have had an opportunity to to run that sample adventure first before even making a decision to back. So that's great. And I guess, lastly, this is his second Kickstarter project. So, you know, he's got some chops. He's got some familiarity with delivering. And half the book's already done. And then behind him is this cast of artists and writers, like 11 other Artists and writers, I think, are involved, too. So it's not just this one-man gamble. So I'm excited. I think there's very low risk here in this becoming a thing. And I am ex- and I think the, the materials I saw were really high quality. So I'm excited. So good luck to Matthew and team. I'm looking forward to the Book of Dark Secrets come October. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Uncle Chris. Thank you, DM Chris. <laughs> For thinking of us. Yeah. Although it'll be October before we're able to use any of the materials. But. Yeah, well, I got some ideas until then. Oh. Chris won't let me record it, though, for a podcast. 
<laughs> he thinks it'll. I'm, I'm worried about being good. on stage to. Uh, I know. You know just, uh, but then nobody will hear my my delightfully voiced. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what kind of character I want to be. I think it's going to be a mage, mm. a drunken mage. I think. I think I like it. You know, I, I do. I like and it already too. Yeah. Kind of uh, haphazardly slinging magic around. I like it. <laughs> Burning spell slots. <laughs> Yes. Oh, so excited. It's going to happen. So that was Be Good to Yourself. Yep. Thank you, Steve Perry. And uh, we decided on a theme for next time, Chris. Yeah, I was going to say, we made it through the whole episode without talking about Laurel or Yanny, and we didn't talk about the royal yeah. wedding either. We didn't talk about Meghan Markle. Oh. Yeah. But in order to make up for our lack of discussion about the royal wedding uh, as loyal subjects to the to the crown we <laughs> for the next time our theme will be fit for royalty and it, take it however you will whatever that means to you <laughs> so fit for royalty slightly different than be good to yourself i think and honestly chris i think i don't see any problems with you subverting this for you to be able to get another oh absolutely not yeah, you can get a pen with this theme. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find myself surprised that you didn't end up with another pen out of Be Good for Yourself. It was tailor-made for it. I think we actually picked it just so you could get you a pen. I think it was only because I had previously done that. I'd gone off, off the rails. <laughs> yeah, with a careful wordplay on the word spring to, uh-huh. to, to back my thing. Mm-hmm. Tobacco pen. But. Alrighty, friends. So next time, fit for royalty. And until then, that is all of our time for today. And thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Backers is produced by Brian Dupuis and Chris Rumpf. You can find the show notes for this episode and our previous episodes at our website, backerspodcast.com. You can contact us on Twitter at, at backerspodcast or individually at Rumpfy and at Coldforge. Join us again next time where our theme will be fit for royalty. And until then, back responsibly.